Yes, hello, I am James Rodens, and today it's the WNR 357. It's AW Double or Nothing, but I am not alone. I have a pleasure to be joined by Dan. How you doing, fella? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Started a new job, going to the gym every week. It's all good. Well, you, up. you do look healthier, and I've got to say, I'm glad that you are on the show, because, of course, you joined us for the AW uh, Double or Nothing prelude we're actually going to have the pay-per-view show as well of course we're going to be joined by the ultimate one but dan being the man that he is uh stepping up for the wnr and being a part here as well um so we're going to start straight away get into it uh, may 30th it is the buy-in dan take it away excalibur and tony Schiavone served as a host of the pre-show and touted the return of fans they ran through some of the pay-per-view matches Backstage, Matt Hardy was with The Blade, The Bunny and Pride. Hardy delivered a Matt fact that he would win the Casino Battle Royale. Hardy said he would cut private parties' fee to 15% if they can guarantee him a win. The hosts ran through the rest of the pay-per-view matches and then set up a video package on Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker for the AEW Women's Championship. Yeah, and our first match on the buy-in and the only match is Serena D versus Rio for the NWA Women's Championship. You see, Justin Roberts was the ring announcer. noted that Rio celebrated her 15th anniversary in pro wrestling on Saturday. And has announced that she's making United States her permanent home. And there were dueling chants from the wrestler. Well, Deeb denied a show of respect early and Rio made a... Deeb, though, delivered a dragon screw leg to target the left knee of her opponent. She talked it and got an inverted gory special, but the resilient Rio... Answered with a double stomp from it. Well, unable to follow up due to the impact of her injured joint, Rio continued to fight. She stunned open, tried for another double stomp, but missed. Deeb took advantage of the in- injury and a picture perfect two. Much to her chagrin, Deeb lured Rio into a corner and delivered a rare double leg screw, followed by a powerbomb, but still couldn't. Well, Rio flattened the champion with a dragon suplex and executed a double stomp to the shoulders. She followed with an attempt to Samato, but Deeb counted into a single leg Broston Crab. After a flurry of moves, the champ countered a crucifix bomb and applied the serenity lock submission. Yeah, so the sun was shining on this one. It was a quite a nice setting, but deep with the sweats. But hey, Dan, you know me. I can't have a go at anybody who might be sweating uh, a little bit, you know? He says with five fans and three air conditioners pointed directly at him. Well, this is the thing, but Adib is great. And of course, you, everybody will know her, maybe going back for the Straight Edge Society. Uh, what was Deeb, you know, do you remember Deeb during that time? Is it a bit of a surprise AEW at this point? No, you know, she has been a, a very valuable asset, certainly for the uh, Straight Edge Society. And even before that, you know, she's had a long tenured career in wrestling. And if anyone deserves to be the NWA Women's Champion, it's certainly her. But without a doubt. And like I said, they delivered in this one here. I mean, I like Rio, but with a live crowd, she may be too nice. Do you know what I mean? The kind of generic baby face, maybe with the booze. Uh, this was a really good match, and it was great having the crowd back. Five, I'm going to score this a three and three quarters out of five. Dan, what are you going to score out of five? Um, I'm going to give it three and a half. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a good back and forth match and good showcase. Well, prediction-wise, uh, of course, the WNR Dan uh, is playing this one, and the ultimate one is joining in as well against me. We all went deep, so all get one point. Uh, poll-wise, Deeb got 78% of the vote. Uh, Celtic fan Nick said Serena, and Corey Payne said, if I was a betting man, so we were appearance from Camille. Uh, we didn't, but again, we move on. A video package aired on the Fan Fest that AEW held on Saturday would help if they didn't use the same music Peacock does for WWE. And this really, this really kind of, I was listening to it and I'm thinking, well, what am I watching right now? I thought it was a, a, a WWE show for a second, but it's called AEW saying uh, we're getting ready to go back to live show. Okay, fair enough. Um, well, Excalibur hope more pay-per-view matches. A video package aired on the AEW tag title match. Taz was introduced as a commentator for the open match involving Hangman, Page and Brian Cage. Then Jim Ross was introduced. Yeah, so we go on to the main show. And Dan, before we get here, I mean, I know we maybe weren't the nicest to AEW on the build-up to this show. But what is your excitement level for this event? And what's the match that you're most looking forward to seeing? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go into it with an open mind. Um, I think the actual Hangman Page and Brian Cage match seems kind of more interesting to me because it don't involve someone... Like, you know, who is an executive chief vice principal manager, co-owner, or even the Britt Baker 
match as well. I think that would be quite a good match. Keep a positive head on this as we go along now. Of course, Jim Ross, welcome viewers to the main card. Was joined commentary by Excalibur and Tony Schiavone. We get fireworks, yes. And then Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Cage. Like I said, Taz was on commentary for this one. Well, Cage, insistent that he competes on his own and without Team Taz at ringside, entered in Terminator-esque gear, while Page arrived to a thunderous ovation from the Daily's Place fans. Yeah, and that is what you call a pop. And Adam Page is one of these guys, when he faced Chris Jericho for the uh, AEW World Championship, one of the first matches that you and I watched of AEW, we weren't sure about this character. And he really has kind of got this... uh, Real support behind him now. And I find him extremely likeable as well, even though it's just a simple character. He's kind of like, um, I don't want to push it, but an Austin-esque character with like the kind of, you know, he's a lone wolfer at the moment. He likes his beer. He's a Texan. You know, he's kind of representing the Texas side of things. Um, But, you know, I'm all for it. He's a very talented individual. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. We see he fired up and riding emotions of the live crowd's reaction. And Paige took the fight to Cage from the opening bell. He launched himself through the ropes and attempted a tope suicide, but a second attempt at flying landed him in the waiting arms of the machine, who sent him crashing into the ring post. And you talk about power. Cage has it in abundance, and then he dominated the action. Well, Paige, with a beautiful moonsault to the outside, then Hangman countered a top rope powerbomb attempt into a big hurricane runner to the mat below. Yeah, this was absolutely beautiful. And Page, again, is, is not the smallest of guys, but the way he's managing to adjust himself on that top rope as well is lovely. But the hill shook it off and tried for a suplex on the apron, only for Page to sliver out and rock him with a forearm shot. Well, as the action intensified, Cage wiped his opponent out on the entrance ramp, then brought him crashing back to the ring, but was unable to put him away. I mean, Jesus Christ, talk about not liking someone to the outside and then back in. Cage tried for his own buckshot lariat, to which Hangman was supposed to deliver an F5 for a two count. Two. Page then tried for the buckshot lariat, but Cage caught him with a buckle bomb and delivered a Liger bomb for two. Two. The near fall brought out Hook and Ricky Starks of Team Taz, the latter trying to convince Cage to use the FTW title as a weapon. Cage refused and ate a buckshot lariat, from Page, who... Uh, JR sound was a little bit off in commentary. You know how this kind of thing annoys me, Dan. But it's a great way to start the show. Both gave it their all as well in this one. The crowd was really into it. There was two performers that were just wanting to give absolutely everything. And it, like I said, a great way to start the uh, pay-per-view. After the match, Page drank beer while Ross praised Cage for his performance in the match. Taz said he was disappointed that Cage turned down help from his teammates. Page left the ring. Cage argued with Starks and Hook. Starks pointed at his bad neck. Hook tried to calm down Cage, who shoved him and left the ring. I mean, the end looks like it's coming for Team Taz here with Brian Cage, of course, not happy with his cohorts. And I predict Page will be by the end of the year. Dan, what were your thoughts on this match, anyway? Um, it was a good match. Uh, both guys certainly giving it their all. Um, you're kind of seeing Cage with a bit of a face turn coming up soon, kind of shunning the uh, Team Taz side of things and maybe even throwing his FTW title in the gave it to him. And you reckon, you, you uh, just see where I'm going with Adam Page here, like you said, the popularity with him. It makes sense, of course, Kenny Omega and him talks together. Maybe, uh, you know, pay-per-view. But they, but should they have to push everyone who's hot at the moment they start getting hot? I mean, like, you know, I know he's been hot for a while, but should they push him because everyone wants to do it? And then it's like, oh, look, AEW, just pander. You know, no one's going to be happy. I suppose it's a difficult, it's a, it's a delicate balance, isesn't it, really, with AEW? Uh, out of five, then, Dan, what are you going to score the match? Um, I'm going to give that. A four and a quarter. I thought it was quite a good match. And, yeah, it's up to Page and Cage. No doubt. Well, predictions, we all went Page. So it's all two for two at this moment in time. Paul wise Page got 65% of the vote. We see a video package set up the AEW Tag Team title match leading to the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson with Brendan Cutler versus John Moxie and Eddie Kingston. Um, Moxie and Kingston, of course, entered with a major league version of the Wild Thing by X and got a big reaction. Mox was defo fired up. The Bucks came out with Don Callis. You sat on commentary. Once the Bucks were in the ring, their stream was shot attacked by the challengers. Well, the Hills overcame their offensive by their opponents early to seize control and cut Kingston. Matt Jackson mocks the showboating of wrestling legends like Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. 
but Moxley made him pay, knocking in the former world champion, entered the bout legally, delivering a pair of pile drivers to the champions before transitioning right into... I remember when a pile driver used to be a finisher rather than a transitional move, but hey-ho, as Moxley's interfered, only to be attacked by the elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian, which we did talk about on Prelude, looking for revenge after the Bucks ended SCU's run. Of course, that made sense. Well, back inside the ring, the champs used an aerosol can on Moxley, busted him open before delivering the Meltzer driver on the end. Well, the Hills cut the ring off and Moxie working over in the corner as blood poured down the forehead of the Renegade competitor. The Bucks mocked the Shields' triple powerbomb, but Matt had a big boot to the face and Moxie flattened Nick Lee into a hot tag. So, did you like the Shield reference in this one, Dan? They wish, eh? Well, Kingston exploded into the match and took the fight to both by Nick with a big boot. The champs shook it off, delivering an assisted slice of bread number two before Nick rocked him with a running knee strike to the face. Nick looked for a cent on, but Kingston got the knees up. The Bucks looked for a more bang for your buck, but Kingston interrupted Nick while Moxie applied the sleeper to Matt. The Hills fought anyway, but still failed to earn the victory. Each team took turns cutting off the other's combo finish until Matt found himself perched upon. Mox came off with a night door to the face in a move Dior's Day device. In reference to the Road Warriors. Well, Nick broke up the pin, but then he found himself in a power guard shift. A counter applied to Sharpshooter. Kingston eventually broke the hold and delivered a backdrop driver to Matt. Matt somehow managed to break up the pin. Well, Moxley turned the Bucks up with stereo lariats, but took super kicks. The Bucks, to their surprise, failed to keep the fired up Moxley down past one. Well, chance of Moxley spilled from the stands, but the Bucks flattened him with stereo super kicks. This was good. Yes, they added more of their trademark strikes to Kingston and set the former world champion up for which they delivered perfect. A second failed to drop marks, as did the third. However, the fourth did, and the Bucks retained the titles. Yeah, so, I mean, again, bits of tape around the ring annoyed me from the ticker tape. You can, you know, the, the bit of green. What about the Bucks, Dan? I know you hate them, but surely this should have been a match that they lost the titles in. Don't call me Shirley, but I would have loved to have seen them lose the titles. But, again, you know... The Bucks, obviously, with the Kenny Omega thing and uh, whatever's going on, you know, they want to have all the gold in their stable. And yeah, I'd, I'd rather have seen Moxley and Kingston win it, as would a lot of other people. Yeah, I just feel where the Bucks are going to lose it now, especially if they're kind of at the top of their kind of hill heat at the moment. Like you said, it's going to fade away, and then the, the, whoever beats them is going to kind of be less. On impact. Not that's going to happen in impact, of course. Uh, but out of five, uh, I'm going to give this a four. Because that's a bit too long, but it's still Moxley delivering a, a great performance. And the Bucks still are one of the best tag teams in wrestling, in spite of the antics that they do in the ring. Indeed. Um, I'm going to give it a three and three quarters. It was quite a good match, but I didn't like, you know, the Bucks retaining the titles. Um and, you know, I think the fact that they're always kind of got the shield living rent-free in their heads, <laughs> you know, and things like that. It's like, oh, yeah, we're cool. We're going to do one for the AEW marks kind of thing. It's like, fuck off, man. This is the, and we've seen it with the Shawn Michaels references, the Macho Man references, and everything. The, the, the history of it, and we'll get onto it later as well when, when someone debuts, the fact is that the history that they're referring to is WWE history, and are they? is that a part of wrestling history, or do AEW want to create something themselves? You know, that's the question, isn't it, you know? Well, that is. It seems like they're doing it in a mocking way towards WWE as opposed to kind of like uh, an in-admiration way. And, you know, they are. it seems like they're always mocking people that paved the way before them. I know they're kind of like, yeah, we're heels, that's what we do, but it's not. Like, you kind of got to respect them whether you're a heel or not. Yeah, I think we're out of doubt. Well, prediction-wise, uh, the Ultimate One and myself went for Moxley and Kingston. Dan went for the Bucks. Uh, so even though you hate them, you kind of knew what was going to happen. I, I, I did know what was going to happen, yes, because it is the Young Bucks. So you take a 3-2-2 lead. Uh, Paul Wise and Moxley and Kingston got 86% of the vote. The broadcast team spoke about the Casino Battle Royale. Excalibur stated that QT Marshall suffered a wrist injury and would be replaced by another member of the factory. Paul White was introduced as the guest commentator for the Battle Royale. He walked out dressed in a ramp and immediately clutching his knee. Yeah, which drew a boo from the crowd, but the clock ticked down and the Diamonds entered the match next. Big money, Matt Hardy joined and attempted to jump Preston Vance of the Dark Order, but then the masked man fended him off, did a powerbomb to Isaiah Cassidy. Nick Caruso of the factory as the Pentaco entered next. 
Vance and to coat immediately before squaring off with a massive. Vance tried two close lines, but Camarato rocked him with a spear. Both men fought over the ropes where Rhodes dumped them. A vengeful Camarado blasted Rhodes with a cowbell. Hobbs dumped Rhodes, for, who then ate a kill switch from Cage. Yeah, Christian and Hardy squared off, drawing an enormous pop from the fans. I mean, AEW fans are WWE marks. That's the only reason about it. Well, Cassidy interfered but paid for it, courtesy of James's friend Colt Cabana, who entered as part of the Hearts, the Varsity Blondes, the acclaimed Anthony Bowens and Penta El Zero, um, rounded out that collection of stars. Well, Cassidy eliminated Cabana as payback and saved Hardy in the process. Bones was sent to the floor, as was Griff Gasson of the Blondes by Hardy. Cassidy continued to stand by Hardy. Spades in, headlined by Jungle Boy, joining the popular young star were Hardy associate Mark Quinn, the factory's Aaron Solo. Hardy knocked them to the floor after a brawl to the apron. He ruined O'Flat flattened Cassidy and Jungle Boy teed off on Hardy and Penta eliminated Uno. Jungle Boy eliminated Penta with a Hurricane Rana. Bit that, of a surprise there. That is a bit of a surprise, really. I mean, you know, talk about uh, where they see Penta as a star course, former Impact World Heavyweight Champion. Cheers match and wasted little time executing a Poison Rana on Quen. He added a running Spanish fly to Cassidy, then avoided elimination from Hardy and levelled in with a stunner. Yeah, but the explosive run was short-lived, though, as the uh, HFO continued their run of dominance. I really don't see where uh, Leo Rush fits in. In We were supposed to take a second to talk about that. Dan, we've obviously know Leo Rush from his WWE time. I don't think you were back then. What are your thoughts on him now? Uh, I've never been a huge fan, and I'm still not. <laughs> so, we see, <laughs> we see the fight coming down to Cage and Jungle Boy after Jungle Boy flattened Hardy with Lariat. Enjoy Cage eliminate private party. Cage feigned an alliance with Hardy for dumping him to the floor. And like we said, down to Cage and Jungle Boy, final two. Well, young Jack Perry hung with Cage, proving every bit as capable of a celebrated veteran competitor. He tried to headlock Cage to the floor, but Christian evaded it. Jungle Boy escaped and attempted to kill switch, spun around the ring post and slid back into the ring. From there, he delivered a back body drop on the floor and earned him the victory. Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt rushed to the ring to celebrate with their teammate before Cage re-entered the ring and showed his opponent respect, telling him to go win the title. Really, really nice. Uh, there was too many moments waiting for spots in this match as a battle royal is. And why didn't Justin Roberts announce what suits they were? It just came up randomly on the screen rather than being introduced to them. It just shows how many wrestlers are employed with AEW as well that will not be used. And also, only Excalibur knew what was going on on commentary. Paul White's going, oh, Hobbs has been eliminated in Excalibur. No, actually, no, they went underneath the ring. Again, this felt too long. Why not have it on the buy-in? If you're going to have a show that you can show off all the wrestlers, not, you know, this is okay, but have it on a kicker or have it on a, a buy-in. And you can have it even longer if you want, you know, like 40 minutes or so. Indeed, that, yeah. Um, but as you're saying, you know, you kind of answered your own question that you had earlier. Why do they have a battle royale on every show? It's because they've got so many wrestlers on their books that, you know, they need to kind of have them showcased. I'm sure they've probably got like one or two papers a year deal in their contracts yeah, or something yeah, yeah. silly like that, you know. So, yeah, you know, you would thought that, that they'd have to. Well, the thing is, you look at the hundreds because you look at what's on AEW Dark and Elevation, it's all talent coming through as well. So, you know, the argument's always been against WWE. I think with AEW, they're, uh, AEW, they're going to stockpile talent. They're going to find a problem trying to put all the talent, you know, to make them happy, so to speak. But um... Well, do you think they should kind of start home growing their own talent like kind of have an AEW kind of oh, what would it be kind of like a, an apprenticeship kind of thing you know like so they're starting to sort out their own talent as opposed to kind of oh yeah they've gone from WWE we'll have them they've gone from Impact we'll have them well I think I think if we're serious for a second we look at AEW if they're not careful the people uh, that they're building up now, people like Adam Page, people like MJF, and even someone like Jungle Boy. If they're not careful and they oversaturate AEW with former WWE talent, and we saw it with Impact Wrestling as well, look at all the people like you know Bobby Roode or Eric Young and all these guys that were there, AJ Styles, have all now come to WWE and become stars after the fact. And this could happen to AEW if they're not careful. You know, like I said, I'm, it's good that they went for Jungle Boy and it was the right choice, you know, of course, with the point of view from the crowd as well, to go over Christian. Uh, but this, again, was a great performance from Christian, there's no doubt about it. And the apron broke for the second match in a row, which, again, just maybe shows that it's, it's a bit more polished. That's what I want, do you know what I mean? Especially with a pay-per-view show. 
Um, I'm going to give this a three and a half. It was a, a, quite a nice finish. Dan, what are you going to score it? Um, yeah, I'm going to give it three and a half just for literally the closing few minutes uh, of the match. I thought that was probably the better bit without having to watch people. You know, you're like, oh, he's going to do something in a minute. He's crouching down, looking yeah. at something. It is really, that's an annoying thing about Battle Royale, though. Well, I think without a doubt, you know, but again, um, it wasn't as bad as maybe uh, it it could have been. Uh, Prediction-wise, myself and Dan went for Christian. I went for Jungle Boy. So now it is 3-3-2 three, three, overall. Poll-wise, Christian got 58%. Jungle Boy got 21%. Penta, 8%. And someone else, 13% there. There was a brief ceremony for a charity that supports injured servicemen getting service dogs. The crowd chanted USA. That's what Americans do. Well, I'm so proud to be an American. Or am I meant to cheer a go-go? Well, let's find out next, because we've got the American Dream, Cody Rose, with Arne Anderson versus Anthony Go-Go with QT Marshall. Cody walked out wearing a red, white, and blue jacket. He gave a similar theme weightlifting belt to a young fan at ringside that made his night. And the tele appeared at the big screen, and the match got underway. I personally hate this feud, because it boils down to, if you're not happy here, then why don't you go back to where you come from, which shouldn't be happening in professional wrestling in 2021. Indeed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly. On to the match. Uh, a go-go rocked Rhodes with a body punch early and then added an Olympic slam and a German suplex to show off his abilities as a wrestler. He controlled the action until the American Dream o- opened a go-go up over the right eye. Well, blinded in his good eye, a go-go threw some wild punches that allowed Rhodes to fight back and deliver the Cody cutter. Rhodes sent him up for a suplex, but a go-go knocked his opponent down momentarily with a hard right hand. He then scaled the ropes and delivered a picture-perfect frog splash. The split second it took him to make the cover nursing his rib injury proved costly as he only scored a two count. Two! Well, Rose recovered and applied the figure four. A go-go jabbed Rose, knocking him to his back and leaned to a near fall. Anthony then landed another shot to the midsection and rocked the body baby face with an uppercut. Rhodes' hand fell under the ropes, leading to a no-valid pinfall attempt. Moments later, Rhodes delivered the vertebrae cut. Well, Agogo is so green. It is unbelievable. He's like kryptonite. This feud with the factory is terrible, you know. It really... Who cares if you're beating nobody? If you build someone up to nobody, you beat him. What's it fucking matter? Who's been the worst boxer in a match? Was it Mayweather or was it Agogo? Oh, my God. Agogo. But, I mean, Agogo is so bad. Like, it is It is terrible how green he is, you know. There's no doubt about it. Mayweather look, made, made him... You know, if you Mayweather's like fucking Ric Flair compared this, to Do you reckon do you reckon this is kind of like um Tony Khan going, Yeah, we need more Brit wrestlers, uh, Brit fans. So let's let's put Anthony Agogo a bronze medal and let let's let's have him lose though. Uh, let's have him lose and let's have him bury Cody Rose in the British flag as well because that's you know that's what matters. Uh it was uh, it was offensive how bad it was really, you know, with with going on. And again, the the other thing about it is a vertebraker is a very dangerous move for a, uh, for a new wrestler to take. You know, Shane Helms used to hit the move. Why not just hit the, the crossroads and get the job done that way? Uh, and also, if you've been building up a go-go as having one-punch power of knocking you out, and then he hits a couple of punches in the match and you continue fighting, that power is not there anymore, is yeah. it? You know, That, it, that punch is going to be no more effective than another right hand from a wrestler that's just fired up. That's what I'm saying. It is literally, like you know, another pile driver. Um, out of five, two and a half out of five, and I am being nice with that. I'm not being nice, James. I'm going to give it a two. two. Uh, prediction with so it's four, four, three. Nice formation. Uh, poll wise, a go go got fifty seven percent. Well, James, let's get this pay per view started again, and it is Miro versus Lance Archer for the TNT title. And Miro has actually looked quite good recently. We saw a video. At the weigh-in of Miro attacking Jake. Yeah, so getting into the head of Lance Archer. And we see a fired-up Lance Archer went airborne early, catching the best man on the entrance ramp. Nearly the pundit's momentum. Well, Archer flattened Miro for a two-count. Two. Proving he wouldn't allow himself to be on the defensive for too long. Especially if he, especially, especially if he wanted to win the title. You, you just say. He headed up top for a moonsault, but crashed and burned as a champion rolled out the way. Well, Miro set up for the big Matska kick. Jake Roberts appeared with his snake. Miro cut him off and delivered the kick and threw the snake up the ramp. I mean, forget WWE, you'll hear about that one. <laughs> I mean, come on, they did that with Pepper with Al Snow back in 99. And oh, people weren't happy about that, and now they're doing the same stuff. 
Indeed, yes. Well, Miro attempted to level Roberts, but Archer destroyed him with a choke slam for a close two count. Two. Archer then set out for the blackout, but Miro fought out. Archer counted him, sending the champion to the floor. As the combatants fought back into the ring, Miro delivered a kick to the rope, sending them into the groin of the challenger. Well, Miro delivered and applied the accolade. Archer tried to fight out, but Miro added knees to the back. He reapplied the submission knock on Archer unconscious and causing referee Aubrey Edwards to call for the bell. So pretty dominant Miro here. Uh, he looks ready to have the best run of his career. What are your thoughts on Miro? Because we did discuss it on prelude, but the victory over Archer. Archer came in with quite uh, a big fucking build behind him. Two questions. Will Miro have the most successful run of his career and have they lost faith in us? I think Miro, I don't know, he's probably going to have the most successful mid-card run of his career. <laughs> uh, I think there's too many vying for the top. Uh, with Archer, I, I don't know what they're doing with him. Yeah, if you want to give Miro the win, by all means, but do it over at the expense of Lance Archer. I mean, you know, kind of, or have him kind of Jake costing him the match accidentally and kind of do it in that direction then yeah maybe but nah well I think the crowd was quite quiet for this one I think because I know we've got Darby Allen and Sting in action later but I think if this was Darby Allen and Miro and the match we saw on Dynamite on this pay-per-view I think the crowd reaction would have been kind of night and day from what we saw but this was a decisive victory there's no doubt uh, Miro is going one way Archer is going the other uh, out of five down what would you score this um, I would give that a three and a half. You know, I think, yeah, give me a road of victory, but not over Archer. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Three and a half, exactly the same there. Prediction-wise, all went for Miro, so it's five, five, four. Poll-wise, Miro got 91% of the vote. But Corey Payne reckoned time limit draw could have caused the TNT titles only 20 minutes as well. So you that could have would done have that. been a... Well done, Corey Payne. You actually, yeah, mate. Yeah, that would have been my... That would have been mine. Yeah, friend. exactly. Yeah. Uh, a video package hyped AW all out for Labor Day weekend in Chicago on Sunday, September. So do you think all the CM Punk fucking rumors are going to start again and everybody's going to go, well, it's in Chicago. So come on. It's in Chicago. <laughs> you know, CM Punk's going to do something as well, isn't it? Yeah. To tease them. Just to get them all moist. <laughs> Up next, it's uh, the Women's Championship on the line. Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker. But before we get into that, James, I want to I want to hear your thoughts on the rise of Britt Baker. Do you know what? I mean, um, can I just sorry interrupt you there? But <laughs> just before that, even before that, did you see what WWE did? What did they? They do? posted a video of Nia Jax crushing a young Britt Baker. No, well, I think the story of Britt Baker is, is one of the best ones that we've had in a while in AEW. Uh, just because of the way the women's division has been as well. It's not been uh, the the most respected, treated division in the entire world. But I think due to Britt Baker and the character, you think of Charlotte or something like that, you know. Impact, you've got Deanna Perazzo. And I think with Britt Baker, she's to kind of shine a light in AEW. I think you could have a, an awesome triple threat match with those three women. And I think her time is now to shine. And of course, she had great gear as well. Because remember with the Scott Hall drip. Don't. Come no, on. No, uh, no. What? Don't say that fucking annoying word. What word? Drip. Why do you like drip? Because all I see on fucking WWE Twitter or wrestling Twitter is John Morrison drip, Seth Rollins suit drip, this drip, that drip. You're all fucking drips for saying drip. Don't fucking say You're talking drip. about the moist, must-see, <laughs> the moist-see wrestler. Johnny Drip Drip. Oh, I mean, come on. Well, again, I quite like the, the outfit that they had uh, that's got a whole seat. I like that one. <laughs> well, the good doctor worked over Sheeda, dominating the action and looking for her signature lockjaw submission. Yeah, but Sheeda countered it. Baker maintained her advantage over confidence through Cofties of Baker as Sheeda fought back, rocking in with three consecutive knee strikes in the corner. More aggressive, Sheeda pulled the face of her opponent and scored a quick near fall despite an attempted interference by Rebel at ringside. Baker rocked Sheeda with a short kick to the face and added a fisherman's neck breaker for two. Two. The challenger struck Sheeda countered tripping her up and applying a stretch muffler. Baker made it to the ropes, forcing the break, then blasted the champion with a kick. Well, the sling blade followed, and Baker had an air raid crash as the fans charted DMD in support of a hill challenger. Baker again looked for the lockjaw, but she'd have continued to fight her way towards the ropes. She'd have fought out and hoisted the challenger on her shoulders, but Baker managed to fight out. Rashida delivered a German suplex and added a running back elbow for two. Two. The fight headed to the rope, looked for the avalanche, Death Valley driver. Baker escaped again. Sheeda applied the stretch muffler for a second time, only for Rebel to provide a distraction, 
that forced the champion to break the hold. Rebel misfired, low striking Baker with a crutch. She had to cover for a dramatic near fall. Rebel again attempted to interfere, but referee Paul Taylor booted her from ringside. What would the referee say if he was going to get her away from ringside, Dan? You're out of here! Curb stomp on the belt, couldn't put Shida away. Shida delivered the Tamiyashi, but the resilient Baker kicked out. Uh-huh. The action intensified until Baker caught Shida and applied the lockjaw for the submission victory and the title. So your new AEW Women's Champion is Britt Baker, DMD. And thoughts on this, a year reign over uh, for Shida, 372 uh, days, the longest reign in AEW history. Um, this was absolutely brilliant. Uh, we'll talk about Shida in a second. But uh, Tony Schiavone as well has had a very close relationship with Britt Baker. He didn't lie about being impartial. Uh, this match was like Shida's title reign. It was excellent. Um, and, but the crowd loved it as well. And you see Britt Baker embracing Tony at the end. It brought tears to my eyes. Uh, lovely. And the fans with a thank you for Shida as well. What are your thoughts on Shida as a wrestler? Considering you know you've got Io Shirai and Oscar and all these other ones to compare people do that. What are your thoughts on Shida finally getting the moment she deserves? I think with Britt Baker, they've certainly built her up in the correct way. Um, I think they've kind of, you know, they've done it slowly. I don't know whether they're going to pander to the fans and kind of slowly turn her into a face because, you know, that's what she's going to be. Um, but then on the flip side, you know, it's kind of like she's had heel help title. I like to see it with, you know, even with heels, if they win the title when they win it legitimately without mm. the help from the outside, they say, look, you know, I can do this on my own. Uh, I've got it. But, yeah. I think Sheeda, she was absolutely brilliant. She's certainly been a worthwhile champion. Um, despite the shit show that the women get on the AEW division, I still think they've kind of done the best with what they've given, you know, and that is literally five minutes on Dynamite, a bit on AEW on this, a bit on there, you know, and they've built up something which is uh, Sheeda being dominating to the very end and then Britt Baker kind of like, you know, working her way out, gradually getting there, kind of cut, scratching and clawing, having a couple of attempts, but getting close enough, and then finally like, the redemption. Yeah, without a doubt, and she didn't go away now, maybe have a little, you know, uh, take a little break, come back after we've seen more, maybe Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker for the title. But anyway, this back here, I gave us a four and a half out of five, because it told, the st- this is like you said, the story of the year, she trying to hold on to that title, with that one person who's so hot, at that moment in time, it just, just that, on that day, was better than them. What are you going to give it? Um, I'm going to give it a four and a quarter. I think it probably would have brought it with a perfect story if they'd have done the face turn at the with kind of Britt Baker saying, "Look, no, I don't want costing me, ma- you know, costing me victories. I want to get kind of." And then when it was all over, you know, that would have been a nice celebration for her to have standing tall and with Tony Schiavone coming out and yeah. kind of embracing her like that. Oh. No, it was, it was so sweet with the Tony Schiavone thing. Prediction wise, we all went Baker, so it's six six five. Polls at Baker got 75%. Let me see a split screenshots. Aaron and Kenny Mager, Pack and Orange Cassidy getting ready for the AW World title match later. Um, Ethan Page and Scorpion Sky made their entrance. A black and white video aired with Darby skateboarding on a road when a classic convertible driven by Sting pulled up next to Alan, hopped into the car. Sting and Alan looked at one another. It's showtime, Sting said, and then whipped up. In, no. in the building, Sting and Allen made their entrances. I'll tell you what, the video looked better than the description of it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, so our next match is Sting and Darby Allen versus Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. And Allen wasted no time. Launched himself onto an old ego at ringside while the icon teed off on Sky. Brawling gave way to Sting the body out of the ring and onto the competition. Drawing a thunderous ovation for them and appreciating their audience. This is brilliant. You don't really see Sting taking that many chances. But diving off the stage there is a, a great pop as well. Well, the hills absorbed the early onslaught and managed to cut Allen down, working him over and isolating him from his partner as a Hall of Famer watched on. Darby escaped a side suplex attempt by Sky and made the tag to Sting, who exploded into the match with hard rights to the opposition before all him that she did not see the tag thus forcing him back to the apron. Ah, the old classic didn't see the tag, eh? Well, the Hills continue to work over Allen despite the former TNT champion's attempts to fight back. We see the Bam Bam Bigelow spike spot where Paige throwing Darby Allen onto his brothers into the crowd. I mean, that was an impressive thing. I mean, to, to manage to throw someone into the front row 
is pretty pretty impressive. Uh, but then we see Sting finally get the. Uh, we see Allen manage to get some separation, delivering a stunner and tagging Sting in. The icon sent Sky to the floor and delivered a code red for Page for two. Two. The baby faces applied stereo submissions, but Edwards called them off. Sting came face to face with Sky, and after an exchange of blows, Sky tried for a springboard cutter. Only for the icon to catch him and deliver the Scorpion Death Drop for the win. Yeah, so this was a very good match as well. Paige uh, impressed me in this one, showed a little bit of fire. This was better than it should have been. Sting, 60, what, 162 years old, and he delivered. You know, he should have had a tan, but who cares? Him and Darby Allen actually worked well in this matchup as well. And it's kind of a feel good moment because Sting getting that moment in front of the crowds. So let's not forget, Dan, the last time he had a match in wrestling in front of a crowd was when Seth Rollins injured his neck at uh, Night of Champions in 2016, a paper that we reviewed, and now coming back and finally having this moment here. It's nice, isn't it, really? Yeah, this is um, this is the end that Sting kind of should have had. You know, I'm not saying it's the end of his yeah. career, but you can, you can tell that he is winding down towards his final matches. Um, but, yeah, you know, I hope he goes out in a blaze of glory. And I think this helps Darby Allen out as well, because obviously picking up another win... And then, of course, the rub with Sting. I don't think we will see Allen and Sting turn on each other. But then again, you never know. Maybe that's something they could do uh, down... Sting's farewell match or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Or, or something like that. But anyway, uh, the match was, was quite good. Out of five. I'm gonna, what are you going to score this out of five, Dan? Um, I'm going to give it three and three quarters. I think it was... You know, it wasn't a terrible match. It was good. It was good flowing. But... You know, it's you can always tell that it's going to be Sting and Allen, and they kind of did the baby facing pet side of things, you know. And with the cheesy, I didn't see the tag thing. It's and then wonder how many of the opponents. It, it wasn't, yeah, like cheese. you said. But the thing is, is yeah, it wasn't like a kind of tag team match, but it was like a classic tag team match. And like you said, all the spots. That needs to be well there. Oh, I'm going to give it three or three quarters out of five as well. Because I did enjoy it, you know, and so did the crowd. Uh, Prediction-wise, um, well, Ultimate One went for Page and Sky, which changes the uh, kind of momentum here on the show because I've drawn level now with the Ultimate One, six all. But Dan has now taken a one-point lead with two matches to go, Dan. Um... Well, I'm feeling sorry for you lot because, like, it just goes to show that AEW is so bloody predictable. And uh, I know more about AEW than people that watch it. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, only Christian wrong at this moment in time. Paul Weiss, Sting, and Darby Allen, 81% of the vote. A video package set up the AEW World Championship match. Entrances for the main event took place. Pack came out alone. Orange Cassidy was accompanied by Trent. Chuck Taylor and Chris Statlander, but they didn't go to the ring with Kenny Omega was out last with Don Callis and they carry all of his belts. Yeah, so we get Kenny Omega versus Pac versus Orange Cassidy in a three-way match for the AEW World Championship. Justin Roberts delivered an in-ring construction for the title match. A graphic note that Omega was unbeaten in singles matches over the last 638 days. Callis joined the broadcast team. Are Pac and OC legitimate threat to Omega? Is there any chance of Omega losing the championship? Match up, Dan. Um, the only chance I think Omega has is if Pack pinned OC pinned Pack. It's going to be to save Kenny's bacon. Well, let's get on with the action then. After Omega and Pack took out each other down early on, freshly squeezed entered the ring and scored consecutive one counts for his opponents. He followed up launching in that Pack with a tope suicide on the floor and a tilt a world DDT on Omega. He set up for the orange punch, but Omega cut him off and drove him into the corner. Pack, who had scored victories over both his opponents of AEW, sent Omega to the floor and focus his attack on Cassidy. He delivered a big shotgun missile dropkick, as Don Callis called him, a more athletic version of the Dynamite Kid. I'm not going to start I'm not gonna start that. I'm going to leave that right there. But Omega sees control of the match, out-wrestling his opponents, while Callis touted him as the best champion in any company. Roman Reigns. Cassidy mounted a comeback, engaging the champion in a series of near-falls, that culminated with a bridge-up interrupted by Pac's 450 suplex, for a, which looked great. While Omega delivered consecutive Snapdragon suplexes to Cassidy and added a V. He looked for one on Pack but was countered by a German suplex. Omega dropped Pack and joined Cassidy on the ropes, teasing a super Snapdragon. Freshly squeezed, put his hands in his pockets as a defence. 
and Pack rushed the ropes and delivered an avalanche German suplex to the champion. Wow. I mean, that was incredible. Cassidy wiped out Pack on the floor, but a Tiger trigger. The world champion looked to re-establish dominance, delivering consecutive V-triggers to Cassidy, who placed his hands in his pockets one last time for falling face first into the ring. Cassidy delivered a Mishinoku driver to the champion and Pack followed with a falcon arrow to freshly squeeze for a two count. Two! The bastard added another falcon arrow, this time from the top rope to Omega. Cassidy sent Pack to the floor and scored the most dramatic near fall of the match to this point. Yeah, I mean, it was nearly there. Even the crowd was trying this was free, but Pack low blow Cassidy and then delivered a black arrow, but Omega just narrowly broke up the pin. Omega looked for the one-winged angel, but Pack countered into the brutalizer. Cassidy exploded from out of nowhere. Cassidy doesn't come out of nowhere. Nowhere <laughs> With the orange punch, followed by a beach break for another heart-stopping near fall. But I fired up Cassidy. Blake reacted Omega, added an orange punch to Pack, and appeared on his way to the most improbable victory when Callis left the competitive position and pulled referee. This mate, Orange Cassidy, looks great because he had Kenny Omega beat without interference. Well, Pat countered the DDT and applied the Brutalizer. Omega stomped away, but a stubbornly determined challenger refused to break the hold. Instead, delivered a leg drop to the referee. He blasted Pack with one of the championship belts, then another, rendering Pack defenseless. Yeah, I mean, this is one of these things where you look at it and going, how is Omega going to stop the referee from, you know, the submission? And just you're thinking, actually, it does kind of make a little bit of sense. But then Cassidy appeared. With one last orange punch and referee Aubrey Edwards rushed to the ring. She counted the fall, but Omega counted into a crucifix pin for the win. And JR on commentary said, and Peck, he's a good Welshman. And then Excalibur had to turn around and go, actually, he's from Newcastle, not from Wales. Um, This is the first time I've seen Omega actually work at a different level. In the early going of this match, this is the Kenny Omega. You know people have been talking about for years ago, oh, this is the best bout machine. This is a guy that always kind of knocks out the park. In the opening part of this match, he was giving everything he got, and then OC and Pac joined the party as well. Uh, this was a proper freeway, because usually one guy would just wait outside as well, wouldn't they, in the matchup, and wait for their moments. Each three were interacting and all this as well. The ease Pack does things. Now, again, don't compare to Lomart Kid, but just how easy Pack does things, where he goes off the ropes, or if he comes down and attacks you in that way, it is unbelievable. But I did hate the ending. Omega again having to use, um, you know, ref ref bump, having to use title belts and everything like that to get the victory done. It I, again, I wasn't a huge fan of the ending, but the match itself I thought was fantastic. Dan, what were your thoughts? Again, all the Kenny fans are gonna hate me, but I just hate all the pandering he does before all his moves. I mean. Yes, you do it when you hit a big move, but he every single fucking move he does, it's like, oh, look at me, I'm going to hit a punch. It does get really annoying. Um, Don Callis, yeah, he's kind of trying to be overtly heel for the sake of bigging up Omega, but you don't want to shoot down legends of the business in that way. JR, he's starting to get old, and it's yeah. like, oh, uh, you know, it's you kind of starting to pass him off as, oh, it's only JR, you know, when he drops the accidental... End bomb, or he kind of, you know, calls the Asian fella down the road, or something that you don't want to hear. But, but my thoughts with this match, Castle looks like they're serious about him, and uh, they want to. Uh, yeah, I, I. In a couple of years' time, he may be the AW World Champion. No, that's the way things go. The, the look on this matchup, it made me worried about Pack as well, because where does Pack go from here? He's always seemed to come up short in the big matches. Is it a case of personality? Is it a case of what it is? Is it per se? Because the, the man himself, the bastard Pack, is one of the most talented wrestlers in the world. Again, but he is a bastard. And yeah. again, it's because, you know, he's, you've got Anthony Gogo, who's a bastard and British. You've got Pack, who's a bastard and British. It's like, fucking hell, God, give us Brits a chance. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I really don't Someone know. Someone from Newcastle sounds like he's from Wales. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to give this score four and three quarters out of five. Dan, what are you going to score oh, this one? You're being so generous, James. I'm going to give it a four and a quarter because, you know, I don't like the way that Kenny Omega's winning. If he's supposed to be the best in the world holding all the titles, why does he need to cheat to win everything? Uh, I suppose that's true. Omega prediction-wise, so it's eight, seven, seven to Dan. Poll-wise, Omega got 60%, packed with 28, and of course, OC with 12 and then we see an aw4 gear graphic listing the event for saturday november 6th in st louis oh randy orton's gonna debut there is he <laughs> three days after my birthday as well 
Uh, Tony Schiavone stood in the ring and introduced the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, as assist for TNT. The crowd popped big as Henry... Shivani said fans would hear from Henry on Friday's AEW Dynamite. Well, uh, they, JR going, welcome this Hall of Famer. Great, Hall of Famer from another company. <laughs> That's, I was going to say that before about Sting as well. It's like, fucking hell, you're calling them Hall of Famers. Yeah, the big show, Hall of Famer in WWE. It's Mark like Henry, big on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Christian, future Hall of Famer in WWE. Well, no, he's, he's not now because he's fucked off to yeah, AEW. Well, let's, ho- have, let's hope Mark Henry has the impact the big show has, you know? Because, <laughs> I mean, that has been massive. <laughs> well, Excalibur announced Nick Comorato versus Dustin Rhodes in a bull rope match. Young Bucks versus Pac and Penta El Zero. Mido, Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson versus QT Marshall and Anthony Gogo. And Britt Baker's championship celebration for Friday's Dynamite. Omega and Jungle Boy for the AW Championship was announced for the following show. And it's time for the main event. And the question is, Dan, is this the end of the inner circle? Because if they lose this main event match, they will have to disband. Uh, it's the inner circle. Chris Jericho, Santana Ortiz, Sammy Guevara and Jack H- Jake Hager versus the pinnacle. MGF, Dax Harwood, Cash Wheeler, Wardlow and Sean Spears in a stadium Spring Stadium Stampede match. Like I said, the inner circle must disband if they lose. Now, before we start the match, what are your thoughts? I mean, you've seen the build-up. What are your thoughts on the inner circle? And what are your thoughts on the pinnacle and this match-up as well? Um, the pinnacle, that's, I'm not behind them. I don't think it's good for FTR. Um, I couldn't care less about Wardlow. I couldn't care less about MJF. couldn't care less about Sean Spears. Since he's gone from being Ty Dillinger, lost interest in him. He, he, I don't know, he just seems like he warrants more respect than he actually deserves. Um, you know, I suppose that's kind of be the, meant to be the way that he'll go about things, but I don't think it's good for FTR, personally. What about the inner circle, then? The inner circle, uh, they're actually starting to grow on me. You know, Jericho, I'm kind of seeing his role in the company. You know, he is kind of like the big name draw. He is the big name attraction. Um, Sammy Guevara, still can't talk on the mic, even though they've given him enough chance. Um... Quite a talented guy. Uh, Jake Hager, you know, he's only there for the muscle and the uh, tag team Santana on our team. I think, again, you know, they they could be a good tag team in a tag team division on their own outside of yeah. the inner circle. But I don't think they're giving enough chance. Let's hope, they, like I said, all uh, 10 men can impress us here. And we see a limo pulling onto the field. Fozzie's Judas played. The inner circle members repelled down the scoreboard and stood behind the pyro boxes that shot flames. The inner circle members were dressed in black. Jericho had his elbow brace on and I bet he shit himself because he dropped and bounced when Jericho jumped off there. And I thought, are we going to have another moment yeah, like we've seen tragedy in the past? But luckily, they managed to make it down. Well, MJF called for the inner circle to bring it. Once they approached MJF, he ran back inside the limo, locked the door. The FTR classic truck arrived with Harwood, Wheeler, Wardlow, Spears and Blanche. The brawling started on the football field. Oh, and then we get into the match. So the early portion of it focused on Chris Jericho and MJF, the leaders of the respective factions and their brawl around the stadium. At one point, they crashed a meeting featuring Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer and fought into the team meeting room. I only knew this after Excalibur told us. Well, Jake Hager and Wardlow brought a little bit of a hoss fight, culminating in a visit to... Elsewhere, Sammy Guevara fought the chairman, Sean Spears. It was a nice room of chairs. We're using a forklift as a jungle gym as he dominated with Spears. The artist, formerly known as The Perfect, caught him and sent him face first into a garage door like a lawn dart, and the garage door was the lawn dart catcher. He eventually shackled Guevara, but forgot the bolt cutters left in the room. Well, Spurs Santana Ortiz confronted FTR, a cameo by Conan, and a DJ with a nice touch. Both him and the baby faces history as members of LAX and Impact Wrestling. Conan joined in, helping to even the odds with Tully Blanchard by FTR's side. I mean, Conan looked old as shit. Do you know how much weed that mofo smokes? <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Hager chokeslammed Wardlow for a wooden pallet and MJF and Jericho continued a war that spilled into the Jaguars conference room and saw Les Champion staple a piece of paper to his opponent's forehead. Well, MJF delivered a pole drive on the table which did not give. Jericho recovered and blasted assault of the earth with Floyd, his trademark baseball bat. From there, he sent MJF face first through an office door window, busting him open in the process. The bowels of the arena, a seemingly celebrated, is called for Tully 
only to encounter the Inner Circle Motorcycle Club. Well, back in Daly's place, Jerko battled them Jeff through the fans. The heel attempt to throw Jerko from the upper deck into the crowd below, but Jerko delivered a powerbomb through a nearby table. Spears returned to the arena too and found himself on the receiving end of an arse-kicking courtesy of Guevara. He fought out of a Death Valley driver only to fly through the air into a waiting steel chair by Spears. The Spanish god withstood considerable punishment with the chair, delivered a stomp that sent Spears face first into the steel chair and picked up the win with the 360 sent on. Or the 630 or 620 or however, how many yeah. times he went round and got the job done there. Uh, this shouldn't have been the main event though. There's a lot of humour but some setups were a bit too much. This just went on for a little bit too long. FTR and uh, PTP, they didn't do much at all. I mean, literally, saw him fighting in the club, and that was kind of it. And Sean uh, eating the pin with, uh, of course, um, like you said, the Spanish god getting the victory there. Uh, and after we see Jericho, Hager, Santana, and Ortiz limp to the ring to join Guerrero in a post-match celebration with the inner circle. Uh, we see Pyro explode around the ring, and the group engaged in a trademark middle-finger pose. The fans rain down and compare to the lyrics of Fozzie's Judas. So, not a band ending to a pay-per-view, but not the one that I think it should have had. What were your thoughts on this matchup? Because we were going to told it was going to be more serious than the last stadium stampede we saw, which was comedy. I really didn't enjoy the match. You know, for the few that they've built up between these two stables to kind of end it as a bit of a joke, um, and it was so cinematic, it was unbelievable. You know, it's like... It was seemed really cliche as well, you know, the two big guys squaring off, the two smaller guys squaring off, the two leaders squaring off, the two tag teams squaring off. You even had, like, two managers of fucking... <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, really, you cliche sons of bitches, you. <laughs> um, well, yeah. It, no, it wasn't fun at all. No, it was just... It was just waiting for our moments, and then they came out to the crowd, and it's just like... Again, I don't know, and I don't know where they're going to go from this now, because obviously the Inner Circle got the victory, it's one all, but we've already had like a War Games match, we've had a split same stampede, what other match can be as big to kind of finish this feud, you know? Well, they're going to have to do it in kind of like a War Games theme setting, or, you know, something complete. It's not going to be the end of it at the moment, um, because, you know, they're kind of two of exactly the same teams, but one being face and one being heel. The best part of that match was actually what took place after the match, after the kind of they stopped. Fit. Have you seen the video that AW released? I think it's about a four minute video. Jericho thanking the fans, passes the mic to Sammy Guevara, who kind of babbles and blotches his way through like 30 seconds of a promo and hands it back to Jericho. Kind of brings the fans back to it. Uh, and then they just give a nice rendition of Fozzie Judas. Yeah, like I said that, that, it's not a bad end of pay for you, but after all this build up, you know, this kind of. A saint should maybe stood out a little bit more. Uh, particularly, I'm still going to give this a four because uh, every you know, it's just the effort everybody put in, especially MGF uh, and Chris Jericho in this one. Dan, what are you going to score it? Um, I'm going to give it a three and a half. I, I, I just it was scripted. It was too like watching a, a movie as opposed to it's like watching wrestling in a movie yeah, yeah. as opposed to watching it on a pay per view. I think you're right there. Well, prediction-wise, we all went in a circle. So, final scores to Choke Slam and myself on eight all. And Dan wins on nine. Dan, how do you feel about winning? Poll-wise, in a circle, got 63% of the vote. Right, so now we look at the MVP of the night, the person that stood out the most. Uh, Paige and Cage at the start of the pay-per-view to start this show hot. Unfortunately, the show went on for four hours, but I'll get on to that about my overall rating in a bit. I thought they started off well, but I've got to say Britt Baker has got to be my MVP of the night because she is now your AEW Women's Champion and thoroughly deserved. Dan, who's your MVP? Um, well, I was actually going to say Baker myself, but I don't want to agree with you. I'm going to go with Hangman Adam Page. I think he's certainly he's getting himself on the way of a good career. I think distancing himself from the elite has kind of been the best thing for Page in his AEW career. Oh, yeah, I doubt. Right, my match of the night is the AEW World Title match. I got four or three quarters out of five. You've got three matches on four and a quarter. So what are you going to pick overall as your match of the night, Dan? Britt Baker. So Britt Baker, the women's title match is your match of the night. And now overall rating. Uh, well, look, nothing really happened on this pay-per-view that would change anything apart from Britt Baker winning the women's championship. Think about it. All the champions retained. Inner Circle is still a part of the business. There's really nothing else. Jungle Boy winning, number contender, you could say it means something. 
But again, if people aren't watching Dynamite and they look back and they're just watching pay-per-view from pay-per-view, then this Jungle Boy match is going to be on Dynamite. That won't really mean much. The pay-per-view, I didn't feel too long watching it, but I would have taken out the Cody match and the Battle Royale. I would have Cody match on Dynamite and this and the the buy-in as well. Because then, you know, four hours, especially the buy-in hours, and I know it's only three months, but it's still too much, isn't it, you know? Wouldn't you agree? Um, yes, I would. I, I think it is far too much, especially for like, you know, because we, we started moaning about the WWE pay-per-views when they started going on. Um, and, you know, this is going to be a, a, a thing as well. You know, it's only going to get longer. It's only going to get bigger. Their, their rosters are only, only going to go grow in size as well. So they're going to have to kind of either do more pay-per-views or they're going to have to make them longer with a you know, a pre-show and an after-show and a show in the middle of the show that's going on. and It's the thing, and you've got AEW Dark and Elevation on YouTube where, where people say they watch. You've got Dynamite, which is two hours, and you're going to start a new show, Rampage, which could be an hour every Friday. It's going to be the same thing, you know, and especially if you're chucking a pay-per-view there, then you're going to have, what, like 11 hours of AEW to watch that one week to catch up with everything, you know? It's yeah. just, you know... It's and not... then you're going to have to have like another pay-per-view every month that... Features Cody in one way or another, um, Kenny Omega in one way or another, and the Young Bucks in one way or another. And they've all got to either win or get scammed out of winning. Well, if I was going to change the way this show went round, I would have put the AW title match in the main event and then switched Bucks with uh, Moxley and Kingston with the stadium, uh, stadium Stampede match and had it in that way. But then again, I would have had Kingston and Moxley win the titles because, like I said, the pop. It's great. First and foremost, I should say, it's great having a crowd in attendance. You know, yes, they went a bit quiet during some of the matches, but uh, it, it's great to have them back. AEW's still got a lot of work to do. And again, at least, Dan, look, Blood and Guts, they botched the finish. At the last pay-per-view, they botched the finish. This one, they didn't. They had quite a good ending. But do you feel it's a case of them playing safe with the main event and not wanting to... Fuck it up, so to speak. Well, I think, you know, having something, the main event is something that you can go, well, we're not happy. Let's change it. Yeah. You know, because they had that option, they're like, right. They probably, because have you heard that to Jericho saying that they was filming for about three and a half, four hours. Um, they, they was actually going for quite a while with the filming and the reshooting. You don't want to hear that about a wrestling match, you know. It's like, you want to see two guys in, go in there, go for it. If they fuck up and botch during a match, it's not about the botch. It's about how they recover from the botch. It's about how they kind of move forward from it. Don't dwell on it and kind of, you know, just go on with it. But if you get to a match and the only thing they're talking about from it is a botch, something awful about it, you know you're kind of not on a winning formula with that. That's what I'm saying. And it's a dangerous line that they're, they're walking at the moment. Let's see what happens here. Uh, overall score for the pay-per-view, I'm going to give it an 8 and 3 quarters out of 10. It was a good pay-per-view overall. Uh, but the thing is, like I said, if you missed this show, you wouldn't have missed much apart from maybe Baker winning the title. What are your thoughts? Did you win first and foremost and what's your score out of 10? It wasn't terrible. Um, you know, there are moments in it which they do irritate the shit out of me. It's like, quietly, Cody's on like 2-0 and or 3-0 and at double or nothing now. So, they, you know, they might be quietly building up a Undertaker streak there, you know. <laughs> um you know, I just don't like the fact that Cody wins, the Young Bucks wins, and Kenny Omega they have to have a match on the pay-per-view, and they have to do this and the spotlight. Um, it's starting to that's starting to grate on me, and I think you know there's a lot of other talent in their rosters that they could push in them spots. So I think eight and a quarter is a fair assumption from me. Well, there was a tweet, and it said um, they talk about this. And they put it out there because, you know, people might win at double or nothing. It doesn't always mean that EVP always put themselves over complaining. So, to you a little bit, Dan, but I'm not saying anything. Uh, the pay-per-view record of Cody is three and four. Won three, lost four. The Young Bucks are five and three at pay-per-views. And Omega is four and four. Won four, lost four. Are you surprised by that? Well, so the fact that they've been in eight or seven pay-per-views between a lot of them... Um, and get that much coverage. No, I'm not surprised. Not at all. Well, there we go. So, that's what... But there we go. And this is what it's all about. It's about discussing it, finding out what's going on. Of course, we'll be back with AEW either later this month or at the start of next one as well. But don't forget, because all social media, Twitter, at the WNR Podcast. I'm at the WNRJR. Dan, where are you? Uh, I'm at WNR Dan. I'm still going on there, retweeting and liking and... He's back in the game. 
Double uh, also on Facebook and Instagram. Of course, all the good platforms. Send us an email at doublepodcast at gmail.com and YouTube, Double Podcast. For all the latest clips and podcasts, go at the same time on YouTube as do on your phone. Also, Spotify and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. Our next episode is going to be NXT UK with Dublin R. Dan. You're pulling a triple header, Dan. Could you I believe am, it? I know. Like, you wanted me back, so I'm going to come back hard. Well, okay. I always come hard. Well, right, Dale, uh, like I said, AEW will be back at the end of the month. Hopefully, we ultimate one against all odds, but we shall see what happens then. But till then, I've been James Rowlands, and I was joined by Mike. Thanks, thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye. <laughs>